Father God, we praise you for the timeless and precious message, uh, the message of Christ crucified and and risen again, Uh, the message which we have received, the message uh, in which we stand. We pray that it might live again for us this evening and uh, throughout the whole of this weekend. May our lives, we pray, and, and our songs and our music ministries bring you real praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Please do sit. And do you have the, the, the booklet with you if that helps you? The passage that we heard read is in there. Um, some headings, some space to make notes if you like that kind of thing. But before you make any notes, I want you to, um, want you to imagine something. Go with me on this. Close your eyes if it helps. I want you to imagine a church. Okay, imagine a church. Now, it's a church that, um, that once received the gospel with real joy, real joy. Um, but I'm afraid to say it's, it's not really a healthy place anymore. Um, there are all kinds of ways in which that displays itself. There are constant disagreements uh, amongst the members about which Christian leaders are to be most revered and followed. Um, there's a fair amount of boasting as well amongst the members as they jostle for position to see who is the most spiritually knowledgeable. In fact, the, the, the kind, of, kind of bitter rivalries that ought to mark the secular world have unfortunately found a, a, firm homely, a, firm, a home firmly within the church. And what's more, people's actions aren't a lot better than their attitudes. Um, you'd find some members uh, involved in all kinds of sexual immorality on a Saturday night and then gathered for worship on Sunday mornings. Or worse, a blind eye is turned in the church to this kind of behavior, as well as to drunkenness and gossip and all kinds of other things. You might wonder about their theology as a church. Well, they're a church which, on the face of it, takes Scripture seriously. But the reality is that they're in grave danger of neglecting the warnings of the Bible. That expresses it in all kinds of ways there's there's a great confusion about the roles of men and women when the church gathers they're all at sea with spiritual gifts this is a church where even the bodily resurrection of the lord jesus is being called into question i could go on but instead i'll ask does this church feel familiar to you do you recognize it does it ring any bells well it should i've just described to you the church in First century Corinth. You might be relieved to know I wasn't talking about your church. And underlying all of these, what you might call unfortunate symptoms, um, lies the heart of the problem. Here's the heart of the problem the church is in danger of letting go of the fundamentals of the Christian message. That's the heart of the problem. They're in danger of letting go of the fundamentals of the Christian message. For the church in Corinth, The death, and especially here in chapter 15, the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus, those things are ceasing to be the things of most importance. And before you sit in judgment on them, just remember that this weekend, this weekend you've come on, is geared up to help us not make the same mistake. 
The whole weekend is geared up to help to prevent us and our music ministries from making just these errors. So here's a question for you. Here's a question as we begin. What do you think it would take for you, for your music ministry, for your church to be kept from this kind of error? What do you think it would take for you, for your church, for your music ministry to be kept from this kind of error? Well, at least three things. And here's the first one. Says Paul in this passage. Here's the first one. Remember the gospel. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Remember the gospel. Read again with me from verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel... You are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. The gospel message, says Paul, it's a message which defines your past, your present, and your future. It's a gospel that you received. It's a gospel in which you now stand And it's a gospel which will be your salvation as you persevere in faith. Past, present, and future. So Paul is saying the message of Christ crucified and risen again was received, passed down, uh, passed down to the Corinthian Christians from Paul. And the word received here um, has a kind of flavor of a, a kind of valuable inheritance passed down from spiritual parent to spiritual child. Paul describes himself back in chapter 4. Uh, as a spiritual father to the Corinthians. So Paul preached this message to them, and, and wonderfully, miraculously, they believed it, and they received it. They received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news about his death, burial, and resurrection. One, one of the joys of my job, um, well, there are many, um, obviously, uh, but one of the joys uh, is, is meeting um, and talking with uh, and auditioning new musicians to be part of, of music ministry. We have a little induction scheme uh, for, for bringing people through that process. I know, I know some of the other churches do as well. And the first thing that, that people do is just fill in a little questionnaire, some, some questions about their sel- themselves. We don't always know them uh, when we first meet them. And the first question on the form is this. How did you become a Christian or definite in your commitment to Jesus Christ? I know that JPC have the same wording because I stole it from them. But let me tell you, it never gets old. It never gets old hearing stories of salvation. never gets old. Perhaps a a growing awareness of sin and the reality of judgment. Or or, or perhaps it's a a growing joy um, as people are just captivated by the person of Jesus. And then... just a sense of, of wonder and amazement at the undeserved favor of the cross. The certain hope of resurrection to come. And through it all, very often is a, a kind of a great sort of retrospective gratefulness for the sovereign hand of God in, in just um, orchestrating the events of life to bring us to know him, to lead us to Christ. Joe mentioned... Uh, C.J. Mahaney's book, Living the Cross-Centered Life Before. Really recommend you get that and read it. Here's what C.J. says. Often my eyes fill with tears at the memories of my foolishness and sin. 
And in the same instant, my heart will be filled with an unspeakable holy joy. By the finished work of Jesus on the cross, I've been forgiven of the countless sins I've committed. You hear those words, it's clear that for CJ, the the gospel lives and breathes, doesn't it? You get a sense of it just shaping his presence. And yet I wonder for for us, for how many of us has, has the gospel message, the message of Christ crucified and risen again, just become tired? Is that how it is for you? Has it become tired? It once, you know, something once received with real, real gratefulness, but now a bit tired, and certainly not a driving and governing present reality which shapes everything you speak and think and do. Is that how it is for you? The gospel is not merely about events in history. It is that, as we'll see in just a moment. And that neither for you was receiving it, you know, just a purely historical event, something you did once, something perhaps even you can't remember. Paul says, it is those things, but more. It is the very ground on which you stand. And if that weren't enough, this message that this gospel of Christ crucified and risen again, it it governs everything about your future as well. As you persevere in it, you will find salvation. That's verses 2 and 3. And no condemnation when the risen Lord Jesus himself comes to judge the world. See, Paul's aim here is not merely to convince you that the gospel is true. He will go on to do that as well. It's not merely that, though. It's to remind you, to persuade you that the gospel is the most precious thing you have. And all of this, says Paul, is a matter of first importance. So there's the first way you'll be kept from the Corinthian error. Remember the gospel. But secondly, you need to be persuaded that the gospel is is true. You need to be persuaded that the gospel is true. And it's so precious because it is true. It's real. Grounded in historical events, supported by overwhelming evidence, and from God. The gospel is from God. And because it's from God, it was planned and promised before the dawn of everything. So there's the second thing which will keep your focus on Christ crucified. Be persuaded that the gospel is true. It's based on historical events. As you look down, verse 3, you can see three historical events there. Christ died for our sins. He was buried, which I think Paul um, puts in to, to throw any water on the idea that, um, that Jesus' resurrection was you know, merely just, just a sort of spiritual or non-physical thing. No, no, he, was, he died and he was buried And thirdly, that he was raised again to life. Notice, too, that that Christ's death is, quote, for our sins. Christ's death for our sins. If you like these words, this is substitutionary atonement. This is Jesus' death in your place for your sins, bearing your guilt, paying your price, suffering the just wrath of a holy God instead of you. Meditate on that for a moment. Christ died for your sins. 
What's more, these events are not a pipe dream either. Paul's quite plain. There's overwhelming evidence. Look at verse 5. And that he, Jesus, appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Such overwhelming evidence. I think the last bit there is just a complete masterstroke from Paul as well. So remember, this is written to a church who are struggling, perhaps, to believe in bodily resurrection. So the fact that some, some witnesses have died or, or fallen asleep is, is kind of sure fire, fire evidence that the resurrection hasn't already come in some spiritual sense. In other words, Christians really do die. But also, since so many of the witnesses are still alive, then the Corinthians are quite welcome, says Paul, just to go and seek out the evidence for themselves. Overwhelming evidence. And remember as well, the gospel is from God. Did you notice that repeated phrase as we read, according to the scriptures? All of these things happened, quote, according to the scriptures. See, the message of Christ crucified and risen again has been God's plan from before the dawn of creation. And the Old Testament scriptures are are littered with seeds and types and shadows of the Savior that was to come. So be persuaded, be persuaded that these things add up to a message which is of first importance. But a little pause, and here's a question, another question. Because the Corinthian church is, is littered, as we said, with these worrying spiritual symptoms. And at the heart of, of it all is this spiritual sickness caused by the fact that the gospel, the message of Christ crucified and risen again, has slipped. It's slipped from its place of uh, of first importance. So here's the question, given that that's the case. How might we know, how might we tell, if the gospel, the message of Christ crucified and risen again, is slipping, if it's slipping from its place of primary importance in our lives, in our hearts, in our thinking, in our music ministry? How might we know? It seems to me that it would be quite a sensible thing to do, um, to to look at and examine the the worrying condition of the Corinthian church. And then before we sit in judgment on them, look at our own hearts, examine our own hearts, and to see where the same symptoms are evident. So to help you do that, here's three more questions. Three more questions. Here's the first one. Have you become a single-issue Christian? Have you become a single-issue Christian? When it comes to Christian things, um, is your attention, your conversation, your energy given over to some particular issue which is not the gospel? Might even be a good thing. Might even be a music ministry thing. But have you got a bee in your bonnet about some issue which is not the gospel? I don't know what it is. The mode of baptism, the use of spiritual gifts. Maybe it's the way the music's led in your church. Or perhaps you, you hold in your heart some bitter resentment uh, to those whom God has placed in authority over you in the church about some single issue which is probably not important and certainly isn't the gospel. These things may even be important, but they are not of first importance. What, if anything, has become a distraction to you? Have you become a single issue Christian? Here's a second question to, to help you Examine your heart. Do you find it hard to love your church family? Do you find it hard to love your church family? 
when you look out on a Sunday, perhaps if you're singing or playing, whatever you do, what do you see? Do you, do you love them? Do you long for their goods? Do you yearn for their encouragement in the faith? Are you prepared to lay aside your preferences for them? Or if you were really honest, have they become just a bit of an inconvenience to you? Are they standing in the way of your great and marvelous music ministry? Whatever that is. And thirdly, speaking of music ministry, is that a ministry which is marked by humility and joy or by pride and competition, if you were really honest? Do you humbly, confidently, joyfully make use of your God-given gifts and rejoice in the gifts of others? Or do you, if you are honest, resent even envy those who seem more gifted than you? Or do you look down with pride on those who you think at least are less gifted than you? You see, the the gospel given its right place, the place of first importance, it's a message which defines past, present, and future, and it should transform everything about our lives now. Our hearts, our lives, our churches, our music ministries. It's a message which has certainly done that for Paul. Did you get a sense of that as you read towards the end of the passage? And here's the third way in which you will be kept from the error of letting the gospel slip away. You need to see the gospel's effectiveness. It is effective. It does things. And we see that in Paul's life. Read from verse 9 with me. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. Now, you should know that the fact is that the Corinthian church probably looks down on Paul a little bit. You know, even though it was him who preached the gospel, so they, they probably look down on him a little bit. Um, you know, he's not, maybe not a real apostle. I mean, his, his sort of meeting with, with the risen Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road was a bit weird. I mean, especially for a church who are having problems with the bodily resurrection of Jesus. So they perhaps look down on Paul a bit. But we know that the overwhelming power of the gospel takes real effect in real lives. And by the grace of God, Paul, who who is the great persecutor of the church, he's not merely redeemed and transformed, as if that weren't enough, but he's put to work. Put to work. And with the strength of the Lord God within him, He strains every muscle and sinew. He labors as a servant of this just great and glorious gospel which has turned his life upside down. And that's the same gospel which was preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. It's the same gospel which will save you as you persevere in it. So I want to end by asking another question. Pretty simple. How are you persevering in it? How are you persevering in it? And crucially, has the gospel message of Christ crucified and risen again slipped from its rightful place of first importance in your life, in your church, in your music ministry?
what do you talk about? I mean, I know we're all sort of, well, most of us are British. But, I mean, you still talk about the things you love, don't you? Isn't that how it works? Don't you talk about the things you love? Didn't you hear Paul talking explicitly about the gospel as something he loved? The very ground on which he stood. How are you persevering in the gospel? Has the message of Christ crucified and risen again slipped from its rightful place of first importance in your life? Let's have a moment of quiet to perhaps to pray and to think and then I'll lead us in prayer. Father God, we praise you for the timeless and precious message of Christ crucified and risen again. The message which we have received and in which we stand. May it live for us again this evening and this weekend. And may our lives, our songs and our music ministries bring you great praise. In Jesus' name, amen.